0: Hi, I'm Arlen Hamilton, and you're listening to Arlen's Academy, the podcast that teaches everything you need to know about launching a successful business or working at one, all in one place. Arlen's Academy is brought to you completely free by HireRunner.co, Hire Runner is my new recruiting company that connects outstanding operations talent with inclusive startups. If you're looking for talent or you want to apply to be a runner, visit HireRunner.co. Remember, all of the material you're about to hear is accessible online at arlensacademy.com. If you're enjoying what you're learning and want to dig even deeper and learn more, visit the site now. Be sure to tell your friends. Okay, let's talk about just a few terms and jargon that are used all of the time in the venture capital space and startup world, all of that, just so you can have some foundational information. A lot of you will already know a lot of this, some of it, most of it but a lot of you may not and that's okay let me just say this i ask questions constantly that's one of my biggest hacks ever yes i know a lot because i've experienced a lot in this world but every day i ask questions if i don't know the answers and one of the things that you know makes the most uh impact on me is learning and always being curious and always being open to understanding new things. So don't feel bad if you don't know one of these words. And it's kind of fun. Maybe you may see a word on here that you thought you knew, but this gives it a little bit more clarity. So we're going to run through these really quickly. Okay, a pitch deck. So a pitch deck is a PDF or it can be a PowerPoint or another form. You can sit online, streaming, presented to you on stage, et cetera, et cetera. But it's essentially a group of slides or a group of pages back-to-back that explain what your company is. And I say that these are table stakes for being in front of an investor or other people that you want to come in on your company. And that's because it's used so ubiquitously. Everybody uses a pitch deck so you kind of have to have one, even if you don't use it a lot, just so that if someone asks you if they're interested, you have that kind of backup. Now, you also will use different forms of your pitch deck or your deck. Usually I just call it a deck for different situations. So you may have one deck that you use when you go and you do a pitch competition or you present to someone at a, at a, a school or some sort of summit you might have that deck that explains what's going on. You may have another deck that is 70% the same, but has a little bit more information when you're presenting to an investor. Maybe some of the information is a little bit, some some of the things you don't want them to know necessarily if they're not an investor, or it's simply too much information and you don't wanna share that with everybody that looks at the deck. You may have a third one that is for potential hires and four or five others. It, sh- it doesn't really matter, no one's counting, but just so you know that that is what a lot of founders do, a lot of entrepreneurs do. And you can create yours, I mean, this is a deck. The thing that I'm using, that I'm sliding through is a deck, essentially. It is a p- a presentation and I don't know how to make decks, you know, really beautiful ones like a lot of people have done. You can hire someone to do it if you want, You can learn how to create it yourself or already know how to do design. I would spend the time to do so. But hey, here's a big hack. And again, many of you may already know this, but if you don't, it's going to be very helpful. It's a website, app, etc. called Canva, C-A-N-V-A dot com. Check it out. They have all kinds of templates, let you set things up. This is how I did this. I am... Not very uh, design oriented in my in my head here. <laughs> it's all lots of stuff going on up here, and Canva is just uh, a lifesaver. And they have free version, a free version that's light, and then they have a a paid version that I think is well worth it, especially in lieu of hiring a designer because a designer could be very expensive, and you want to pay designers well. Because it's a huge talent. MVP, you may have heard of this minimum viable product. The bare minimum you can put out into the world to prove your concept without breaking the bank or taking a ton of time. It's great for bootstrappers. And if you remember, bootstrapping is my favorite type of funding. So it's great for bootstrappers who want to experiment and to iterate and and show, prove what they're doing, prove the concept of it but not necessarily put in six months, a hundred thousand dollars, et cetera, into it. So let me give an example. I could let's use this class as an example because we're in the class together. So I could have, I wanted to do this class really bad and not badly, and I, I just wanted to get the information out to you. So I could have said, okay, over the next 12 months, I am going to hire a a film crew. I'm going to hire a big designer. I am going to make sure that I have some really nice clothes, get my hair done, have my makeup done every day, and get everything together and build out all of this uh, process. And I'm going to think about it and talk about it and be about it and do all that for 12 months, and then I'll release it. Or I could do what I did, which is throw on my hoodie, deal with my corona hair, This is what I call it, the Rona hair. Put Get a light, ring light on me. Figure out how to make that work. Set up my podcasting mic that it took me a while to figure out how to do, but set that up. Get the Canva out. Get the webcam. Use the webcam. Write out my outline by myself. Go on Canva, make slides, and let... Me and my content be the star of the show, and the information be the star of the show. And I got that out within weeks rather than months or years. This would be my minimum viable product. I will be able to build upon this over time. So you may be watching this in the spring of 2020 and you see 20 different videos. Great awesome you also may be viewing this in the spring of 2021 and there are a bunch more videos a lot more content extra things now there's maybe uh, more production value all sorts of things who knows guests who knows because i was able to build off of my minimum viable product but i was able to get this out into the world and so it can be very beneficial to you. You don't want to do anything super cheap. You don't want to come across as like, I didn't care or it wasn't good. But I felt confident in my content. And if you feel confident in what you're building and you just want to have users using the product or service, you will find a way to get a minimum viable product or an MVP out. ROI, return on investment. It, it kind of speaks for itself, but it's how much you will get in exchange for what you give, pretty much. A lot of times investors use this to say, okay, if I put in $10,000, what's my ROI? You can say to them, well, I can't promise you anything, but I hope that within seven years you'll get a 3x return, right? And there's a lot that goes into that, but that is the general term of what they're using. it. Also use it when you think about what you invest. For instance, again, we'll go meta again. This class, this course. Your ROI in investing in this course, hopefully, is you save a ton of money, which is what I hope to provide for you, because you're able to make sound decisions after knowing what your options are. And then you use it in other ways to learn how to bootstrap, or maybe you find an investor after you watch this course. Something, and it doesn't always have to be monetary, to be an ROI, to have a return. So that's a second way of thinking about it. And then you can think about it when it comes to your customers. What are your customers getting out of their investment in you, out of their investment in your product? What's their ROI? And that's a really great way of thinking about how you can break down value for your customer and realize and and, and really see if your company is giving them value. Think about what their ROI is in investing in you as a customer a term sheet I know you've heard this you may not you may not know what it is a term sheet I'll read from it is a document that an interested investor will give to you that details overall terms of a deal what's in it for each party etc it's not binding now you have other documents that follow it that are binding but this is a term sheet but it is there are high expectations. Once you receive this, it's, almost, it's like a gentle person's uh, agreement, right? If someone sends you a term sheet, they are saying, this is what I'm willing to do. And if you accept the term sheet, we'll go in and we'll do all the legal documents. And you usually only get a term sheet once an investor is very interested in you. One term sheet can be used to help set terms for other investors. So you may get a term sheet from a large investor or large angel group. Or a fund manager, and they say, "Okay, I want to give you hundred thousand dollars for on a on a convertible note, which is a loan we learned earlier. And I and these are the terms, and this is when it needs to be paid back. If it doesn't convert to equity, blah blah blah, et cetera, et cetera. You can then take that if you want, take that term sheet and go to a different investor, and you say, or you could take it physically, you know, show them or talk about it." Vaguely, depending on how you want to negotiate. And you can say, I have a term sheet from XYZ, and this is what they're offering. Would you like to come in on those same terms? And a lot of times, especially angels, will like that because the terms are being set for them and they are just saying yes or no to it. So think about it in those terms too. You can use the term sheet to compete with another investor's term sheet. Say you have some interest out there. You have some You have some traction, and so you have some interest. You have two major investors who are interested. You get two term sheets. You look at the terms. One of them is slightly better than the other. You can go back to the second investor and say, can you match or beat these terms because I have both in front of me and I want to make a decision. You don't even have to choose the one that has the better terms if you like the other investor better but you can use it as a negotiation tool and a really important thing here is that when you do get into term sheets when they do come your way be honest don't don't reach out to an investor and say i have a term sheet from blah 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 and there is you only have a day to make a decision if you don't really have a term sheet from them you have just blown your reputation out of the water You're no good here if you do that because investors talk to each other. They vet each other. If you were to write to me and say I have a term sheet from Andreessen Horowitz for $250,000 as a a seed round and they want an answer from us in in seven days, the first thing I'm going to do even before I write you back is I'm going to get on the phone or send an email or send a text to any number of my friends at Andreessen horowitz and say do you know this person are they telling the truth so you never want to even exaggerate when it comes to term sheets you want it to be the real the real deal unicorn it's a company that's valued at a billion dollars zebra this is a newer term that's a little bit more founder-friendly. It's a company with many stripes, not based on huge valuations, but on values. That's how I describe it. There, there's a bigger way to describe it, but it's basically underrepresented founders coming together and saying, I don't need my company to be uh, worth a billion dollars one day. Therefore, I don't need to go out and find venture capital. Or if I do, I want to find someone who is friendly friendly. And uh, and I'm willing to take on debt versus equity, et cetera, et cetera. All of those things. If you skipped above, check out all of those terms to know what I'm talking about. But it's just a, a cool term that is now being coined by a group of people. Dry powder. This is the amount of money investors have on hand or incoming to invest in new companies or follow on in current portfolio companies. You'll hear an investor say like you might have heard me say it before because it happens all the time they can say i don't have any dry powder we've made all of our investments for the year or i don't have dry powder until three months from now when we have our first capital call and a capital call is when an investor at a fund asks their investors to pull in money to to send to wire funds to them so they can make investments. So that's why I said incoming, because you may have dry powder if you know that in three weeks there's a capital call happening. You can kind of, you know, give or take. It's not a big deal, but I wanted to make sure you have that. B2B versus B2C. Business to business. So selling your product service to another business organization and business to consumer, selling to the general public. So... B two B is Salesforce is a great example of that kind of, kind of meta Lee in a meta way, because they sell they sell to businesses who are selling to businesses, but they are B two B and B two C is more like hey I I'm selling a like CurlMix is a great example because like if you saw in the case study, because CurlMix sells hair products to an end user who is a customer who is one individual person, and that's a B two C company. Founder market fit. The special sauce that makes the founder perfect for the company they're running. I'm a good example of this. Backstage Capital, my company. Backstage Studio, my company. Arlen Was Here, my company. All of those companies. I am probably the best fit to run those companies because of my background, because of my interests, my experience. What I bring to the table compared to what the companies are investors mostly vendors and even potential team members love when you are when you when there's great founder market fit it's a great thing to strive to have i say to strive to be but it's to strive to have right sas s-a-a-s sas SaaS. software as a service that's what it stands for so your slacks your gustos your sales sources again anything that is using software and you are not interacting with another human being on a day-to-day basis to run that software. It is, it is uh, you know, automated in how it, it gets to you and how you're able to use it. So it's pronounced SAS. And I used to say that I was SaaS S-A-S-S, as a service when I first got into venture. You're welcome. A-B testing. Experimenting with two versions of something to see if one has an advantage over the other. It's mostly used in marketing, but can be great strategy in negotiating. A great example of A-B testing is in your deck. Like, make two decks that are 90% the same, but change one slide or change the order of the slides and see which one is getting more traction, which one is bringing more people to you. Another example is, and I won't get into it, here because it's a whole marketing thing but another example is let's say you market something on Instagram and you put you do paid advertising you do one version of the ad here and you spend $30 on it and you do another version of the ad here and you spend $30 on it which one is getting more clicks you've just a b tested because you did them both at the same time and now you know B, B was actually better. So I will double down on B. And so you can see how you can relate that and apply it to other ways of negotiating. UXUI. Okay, this one has a million answers because it's just, it's harder to explain. It's sometimes it's a full course at a at a college. So I'm not gonna answer all your questions here, but I'll give you an overall view of it. And you may be a UXUI person and think i am not explaining it the best way i can open to those suggestions but this is how i think of it and how it's been presented to me ux user experience that is a fact you know that's what that means this description is now my opinion what it feels like to navigate a website a product or process think the checkout process So when you signed up for this class, clicking this button and taking you to this page and this and that and the other, the navigation bar order, the ease of use, that's the the mechanics of it, the experience of it. UI, on the other hand, is the user interface, which which means how things appear, feel, are. So think the button colors of the website, the, the navigation bar font. The design more so they work hand in hand, they sometimes overlap, they sometimes are the same person that has both skills and uh, and but both are but but it is a separate thing, so yeah, it's not the best description, but that helps me and if if it helps you to go back and listen to that again or take p- the picture of the deck or take the deck that we give you, do so and again, I'm open to suggestions of how to better phrase it. Okay, so there are dozens and dozens of words that are used over and over and over again. So I will continue to add to this section over time, and hopefully we'll have this really robust group of words. But in the meantime, this is just a quick overview. Another thing I wanted to show you are tools of the trade, because again, I'm not going to cover them all, but I just want you to know what I use. So this is a list. I will read out the list in case you're listening through audio, but these are things that I use on a day-to-day basis. Slack for internal conversation. Twitter for, believe it or not, most of my hires came from Twitter relationships that happened over time. It's really interesting. We'll talk about that more in the branding section. Notion for interacting with your uh, remote team. So they can be typing in something over here in another state. You type in over here. It's a really great way of keeping things uh, organized. My, my team uses it a lot more than I do, but I really do like him. Canva, I mentioned that earlier. Screencast is what I'm using right now in order to record this with the deck showing. So if you've wondered how I have my little tiny face in here on screen, but you're able to see the slides, I use something called Screencast. If that helps you with your purpose for your purposes, I'm, I'm happy to share it with you. I use YouTube tutorials. Remember earlier, I said I ask a lot of questions. I use YouTube tutorials all the time, all the time. Use them, love them. Audible. I use Audible to listen to to consume books by audio. It's much easier for me to do so. Now, I have these books behind me, and I have many, many books that you can't even see, and I like to reference those. So I'll pull those out, reference them. But if I'm listening to a book for the first time, I'm listening to it. I use voice memo to give myself notes and to give other people notes. I don't always text, and sometimes I will just send a little voice note or a voice memo to do a lot of things. I use Anchor for podcasting. If you don't have a lot of technical background or time or money and you want to put your voice out into the world, Anchor is great. We'll talk about that more in the branding reputation section. Gusto for my payroll for three different companies. So what I suggest that you check out Gusto if you haven't. yet. Yeah, we love him. Oh, uh, well, I have a bank. I don't know why I just put the word bank there, but I have a bank, a lawyer, a MacBook Pro, which is what I'm using to record this on. Uh, it's a really great investment. It has been for me. I get a new one every three years or so. For about a year, uh, about five years ago, I used a Chrome, a Microsoft Chromebook. It cost about $300 and it was awesome so I just kind of use what I need for the moment the MacBook Pro the newest one has been very helpful to me let's see Shure mic so this is a Shure mic people have been asking what kind of mics I use for my podcast and for this this is a Shure mic I love it it has a little mic stand it's a bit expensive but it is I don't have to upgrade anytime soon and then I use pen and paper I don't know that's probably not interesting to most people but I'll even show you like I use pen and paper. I type some, yeah, but like I said in the opening video, the intro that I know you watched, I like to handwrite notes so that it can stay with me. And I think pen and paper stand the test of time. So I just wanted to share that with you. And that concludes this section of the tutorial. I am so, so happy that you are here. And I'll see you in the next video. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, you can check out more at arlensacademy.com. And don't forget, this entire show is brought to you completely free by my company, Hire Runner. To find outstanding talent for your startup, visit hirerunner.co. Thanks for listening.